You're listening to the voice of dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is the third and final part of A Leap Forward by Mikasi Wolf, who is a wolf mercenary writer. A Leap Forward had formerly appeared in Claw the Way to Victory by Goal Publications, formerly published by Jaffa Books, and Furry Trash by Rabbit Valley Press. You can find more links to his stories on his Wikifur and Furpinity page. Last time, Lezo and Snoss leapt off the top of a moving train in a bid to escape the cops. What happens next? Please enjoy A Leap Forward by Mikasi Wolf, Part 3 of 3. He dropped to a roll a quarter second too late, and he felt something sharp scratch several parts of his pelt as he tumbled over in a jumble of fur and tail. His body ached and hurt even as the largest brunt of the fall was dissipated and he groaned, clutching his sides as he lay painfully on the uneven ground. Taking a look around as he staggered slowly upright, the civet saw that he was lying on top of an uncompleted building, tools and machinery lying about. Looking down, there was no end of debris that could have caused the cut on his back, despite his thick fur. His tail hurt worse than it ever had, and he was surprised it still worked. Snoss lay on his side next to a stack of I-beams, and Lezo stumbled toward him. To his relief, the horse was still conscious, clutching his hooves as he breathed. "'You okay, Snoss?' asked Lezo as he bent over him. Slowly and carefully, he flipped his mentee over. "'Fuck! My leg hurts!' cried Snoss, and Lezo was quick to assess the situation. The wall of his right hoof had a large split down the middle, and it appeared to have gone through his skin. Already a trickle of blood had seeped through it, staining the dirty concrete. "'You'll be all right. It's only your hoof's broken,' said Lezo, pressing his pads over the horse's leg to check for broken bones. The civet hid his relief. "'What were you thinking, Snoss? You know better than to land that high without dropping to a roll!' Snoss moaned. "'I won't ever let them catch me. And your pelt's bleeding!' The sound of police sirens came from far off, and Lezo knew their respite was only a short one. His whole body hurt, but Snoss was still his responsibility until they were safe. He would like to know why the police were after he who was thrust under his care, but Snoss was hardly in any shape to explain. The worst thing that could happen was for him to panic, and Lezo needed the horse calm to be evacuated. Despite being so much lighter than the horse was, Lezo lifted Snoss slowly and gradually, draping him across his shoulders. At least his toned muscles had shown to be useful in more than just the movement. Tell me, Liam, is Snoss a criminal? The two of them sat on a tiled roof overlooking a series of shorter ones after the cat helped patch both mentee and mentor up with some plasters and antiseptic. This used to be the post office until the newer one was built close to the main train station. Even traceurs rarely came up here because of the long jump that had to be made to reach it, but Lezo had set up a pulley system with a rope he used to climb up the side. The winch mechanism was padlocked, so he was assured of some privacy. Some of the old mail sacks from the building allowed him to craft a sort of tent in which Snoss now rested. Other than the jitters of having almost been caught by the police and his cracked hoof, he seemed to be fine. Lezo had an old digital watch, but he didn't need to look at it to know it was nearly midnight. The familiarity that came with knowing the city from running countless circuits through it was like a second instinct. He had called a cab for Snoss after making his way down the stairs of the construction site, and the driver had accepted their tall tale of a rough night in the alleys, though the coyote's nose never stopped twitching from the scent of blood and fear. Fortunately, Liam still had enough prepaid credit to answer his cell, and had come down as soon as he heard what happened. "'What makes you think that?' His voice was careful, calculated even. "'The damn police tried to catch us. What more evidence do I need?' demanded Lezo. And Snoss was looking over his shoulder the whole night like a haunted feral, and I thought he was just plain timid. But he's wanted for something, isn't he? 
If he is, will you retract a promise you just made? Liam asked coolly. Lizzo snarled and got up, and already he was prepared to thrash the cat where he sat, but Liam stayed where he was without blinking, and Lizzo had to fight to keep his fur down. Of course not, but I don't like the sound of this. Here we are, minding our own accursed business when this guy comes along. If the cops are after him, that means they will soon take to the roofs, and once that happens, all of our treasure brethren will lose their right to the movement. Our clients will cease dealings with us, and we will be without purpose, having to find our lives on the ground. And I'll be damned if I ever let that happen. It's dangerous down there, you know? Especially for me. Lizzo pointed at the spots on his arm. Liam sighed. Look, Lizzo, I admit that I didn't expect any of this shit to happen, but I promise you, Snoss ain't no crook. He's a runaway, just like the rest of us. His aunt put out a notice for his retrieval. Lizzo stared back at him. But why? That was certainly a first. Snoss's parents died four months ago, said Liam. His voice became steadier now that Lizzo was listening. His parents left a trust fund for whoever was to take care of him after their passing, and it was to be paid in monthly installments as long as Snoss lived with this guardian. His aunt volunteered, and the reason why she's demanding his return is that she only took him in for the inheritance. Snoss overheard everything she said to her boyfriend, who ran off a week back and took the train here with less than a hundred quid and the movement to guide him. He left behind everything he had ever known. Friends, family, his familiarity with the city, but it was too much for him to take, Lizzo. You know what it's like to be held against your will in a place where nobody understands you? His aunt never cared for him, and as long as I'm alive, I'll make sure she never gets him. I found him trying to rough it out in the docks district. Will you believe that? As his only source of support, we have to show him how to live to his full potential and avoid the coppers till things die down. That's where you come in. But how did the police track him all the way from New York? asked Lezo as he paced. All kinds of thoughts were racing through his mind, and he didn't know if that was good or bad. In Clichy, things were simple. You avoided the cops to avoid trouble. Now they had a greedy aunt right out of a movie to contend with. Intersections and intercity transit hub just like New York. It's not like it's the first place New Yorkers have to go if they want to get everywhere else. Remember those tracker cams I told you they have in London? asked Liam as Lazo nodded impatiently. Well, New York has them too. They must have cross-referenced this image at their station with those from the shitty cams at our very own train station. Whatever it is, we can't let them find them. There's only so much we as tracers can do to hide him from the grounders, so we have to teach him how to survive staying out of sight in the topside. I'm not just asking you to be a mentor, Lizzo, but a big brother, too. Snoss is alone. He needs someone to look up to. The kid's only 16, and you know how vulnerable they are to influence at that age. Make sure it's a good one. Lizzo's eyes flickered. Yes, but... Skylar convinced me and the other cubs that he was going to help us, but now I know all of that is bullshit, said Liam. His face was a mask of calm, and there was no anger from his former mentor. We were being used and I, being the fool I was, believed him. The same thing must not happen to Snoss or anyone else. We have the means to help. Do you understand that? There was urgency in his tone, and Lazo knew Liam had told him all he could about the horse under his care. No lies, no trickery. Only honesty. One of the principles of the movement. Of course, said the civet as he breathed out. Is there something you're worried about? asked Liam. With his cap off, Lazo could see he was genuinely concerned. Ears turned to him. Whatever light there was reflected off his eyes as they frowned to better see him. You know, you can always talk to me about anything, no matter what it is. Earlier today, you seemed worried about mentoring Snoss. Why, exactly? Did something like this happen before? I... Lazo swallowed, fighting to take a breath. I was nervous about it, that's all. 
I wasn't exactly a great teacher back in Paris. Don't worry, Liam. I'm fine. I'll be okay after a good sleep. I'll take good care of Snos, that I promise. He forced a smile back at the Angora. Liam didn't look convinced, but he wasn't going to get anything more out of the civet. Well, you know how to reach me, said the cat with a smile. Just don't call after nine tomorrow, all right? I've got stuff I need to take care of. In a blink of an eye, he was gone, a silent shadow flowing down the building by the various foot and paw holes it offered. Lezot got up on the parapet and looked down at the lithe form of the cats, dashing towards the neighbourhood, his dark chocolate pelt barely a signature on the unlit streets. The cat was pure confidence and courage, perfectly at ease on the ground as he was on the roofs. Something told the civet this would be the last he saw of the cat in full form, a master bidding a silent goodbye to his disciple. There was no ceremony and fanfare when passing on the reins of mentorship, for those of the movement knew to take things as they came. Lezot hung his head as his elbows rested on the parapet. So much happened in such a short space of time. His life had just taken a large turn, but was he who let his brother fall worthy of the duty thrust upon him? Snos had taken an unnecessary risk as Cicel had, but he was fortunate enough not to have met the fate of his predecessor. What if it happened again? Looking down at the height that separated him from the ground, Lezot's knees buckled as he sobbed, memories of long past overwhelming him. No one knew why he had come to intersection, and he had to bear the burden of it alone. He had resolved not to let the past control him, but sometimes it was all too much. Lezot fiddled with the locket around his neck, staring out over the roofs of the ever-evolving city. Life below moved forward while life above followed close behind. The morning sun peeked out from the tops of the roofs that had ensnarled it, rays of light bringing with it life and renewal to the city. It was the dawn of a new day. Promises were reaffirmed and important decisions were sealed as rest brought new perspective to them. He had come a long way from where he was, one little civet in an ocean of so many others, all brought together by a common desire. A desire to live, survive and belong, each new day an affirmation of life's little successes. He had made his way alone to this spot near the city centre once more, knowing that in the days that would follow, he may not be able to. He had peeked in on Snos right before he left, and left a breakfast of flame-boiled oats with a note telling the horse to wait for him. Liam had mentioned that he may be visiting the city centre today, and Lezot needed to be sure of a hunch. It was too early for a football game, and a lone rabbit gardener could be seen reseeding the field, his large brown ears twitching. Lezot settled himself more comfortably against his gargoyle friend and waited, humming softly to himself. A Lingala folk song took his fancy, and soon he was bouncing along with the words. Just as the public clock showed the time as 8.50am, Lezot spotted the distinct form of the Angora's chocolate pelt alighting from a bus, and Lezot couldn't help but stare. Liam had always hated public transportation, but here he was, a commuter of the masses. He had never seen Liam wear anything other than his assortment of t-shirts and jeans, and here he was, in office work clothes looking rather uncomfortable and out of place in them. Beside him was a female British shorthair, her prominent hips visible even from afar. Lezot whistled as he took in her swagger of a dance across the sidewalk. She was dressed in the off-white apparel of a nurse, and the civet figured that she was heading to work. Liam's gaze kept darting to the front door of the Transport Authority building as they stopped before it. He lifted his head to the morning air and breathed heavily, even as the female spoke, her paw clutching his shoulder. Liam grew calmer as the minutes passed, even laughing as he spoke to her. A uniformed wolf stepped out, setting a placard on a poster stand. Upon it was printed, 
Walk-in interview for logistics assistant, 9 to 10 a.m. Liam took one last breath before turning to his companion. He and the female hugged, and it was then Lizzo knew why Liam had really left the movement. He had found his love by chance when he had hurt himself, meeting her in the hospital in a stroke of fate. Like the tracer he was, he had surmounted the obstacles of life to move from one stage of it to another, each obstacle a new opportunity, a new chance in his life. Just as Lizzo had left Clichy to avoid arrest, Liam had given up the movement to be with his love, someone he kept secret from the others to avoid misunderstanding and discord within their fragile community. And Lizzo didn't blame him. All of them sought purpose in their life, and Liam, of all people, had been no less deserving of it, which was more than Lizzo could say for himself. The movement was the Angora's life, and the civet knew how much it would have hurt to give up everything he had spent his life perfecting. Without him, they may not have a community that understands each other, and the tracers would be lost among the masses, important beliefs and philosophy worn away by neglect. He watched Liam give one last smile to his girlfriend as they parted from each other, disappearing into the confines of the building. The Sivant couldn't help but feel a rush of happiness for the cat, and tears started to fall. Looking back, Lizzo realized that he had learned more in the last one day than he had in the past six months. Life was about moving forward, not staying in the past, as Asun had said, and it was only after crossing an ocean that it came to him. To live in the past was to die in the present, and with changes came new opportunities for one to go further, be it in life or the movement. All of them had different fates, different goals, and each person's journey was different. Sometimes it takes not just themselves, but others that they knew and respected to give them that boost in their jump, that purpose in their life. Snos was without somebody to guide him, but it didn't have to be so. He needed someone not to restrict him, but to protect him as he spread his wings to go further. What happened to his brother back in Clichy had been his greatest mistake, but Lezo had learned from it. Even masters at the art made mistakes, but there was always something to learn from both successes and failures. Should the law ever come knocking, Snos would have learned how to survive, with Lezo as the brother he needed to guide him. And through the philosophy, Snos would learn that life was more than simply running away, but facing and embracing change when it came. As in the words of the founder, the key to the art of displacement is realizing that obstacles are part of your pathway, and to move is to live, for the movement is life. Liam had moved on, and so would Lezo. Lezo got to his feet even as Liam's girlfriend settled herself onto a bench and made the dash toward the roof's edge. His brother's locket no longer held bad memories and was now a comfort against his neck ruff, even as the wind soaked into his fur, the drop of the edge opening below him. And with a leap, Lezo moved forward, not merely to the next place, but the next stage of his life. Two years later. Snoss wondered why anyone would choose to drive when they could run. He had gone for driving lessons when he turned 16 and had hated it from the start. It gave little freedom to one who was used to lots of open space around him, and a vehicle was little more than a moving cage. His peers had been nothing short of surprised when he chose walking to school over catching a ride, only that he walked paths no one else had. Blocked alleyways became open roads, fences mere gates to another path. The sounds of Intersection's early morning traffic jam were audible even from up high, amplified rather than softened by the buildings around it. Snoss reared forward on his hand hoofs as they lightly gripped the parapet, the momentum of his swinging legs throwing him forward into a spinning arc. 
His hoofs contacted the concrete landing of a lower fire escape perfectly and he rolled, landing smoothly back up. The file, placed within the small of his back, rubbed slightly even as he shouldered the emergency door open with a bang, finding himself in the all-too-familiar multi-story garage. And who else would be waiting for him but the cops? Slotten knew he could back out the door and make it to the next two levels down before the cops cried foul, but there was a complete lesson in the movement all set up for him. Ever since his mentor saved him from near capture, the horse was determined not to run away from any of life's difficulties. He knew that the cops had probably staked out the place based on intel from cross-referencing reported and digital sightings, but no matter. The horse sailed over a Camorra in a dash vault, eyes taking in every detail of the parking garage. Already the cops had started toward him, nightsticks and telescopic batons out as they yelled for compliance. He recognized the Pine Martin barking out orders from the day he had met Lezo, and noted with some mirth that he was still a sergeant. Snoss dropped to his feet and palms, flinching to the side as an overzealous officer struck out at him. Throwing his body forward with arms outstretched, he narrowly dodged the whistling metal implements and heard the cops yell as the cracks of metal on flesh resounded. Snapping his head back up, his eyes locked on the sergeant exactly as they had two years back. With a venomous snarl, the sergeant drew his Glock 17, and Snoss ran up against the van and sprang. Years of constant training made everything he saw appear to slow, foot-hoofs coming together on the pistol as he approached the Martin. Caught in the momentum of the pull, the Martin tumbled in a mess of tail and fur right before Snoss landed, the gun clattering right next to his hoofs. Snoss bowed apologetically to the flabbergasted lawman before sprinting out through the other end. He could almost hear the radio chatter that would be on the police airwaves, but he wouldn't be caught today. As long as the tracers avoided hurting the cops, they were pretty much safe from retaliation. The Martin was trigger-happy today, but anyone in his position would be, trying and failing to round up the bums his captain had ordered him to. He reached the drop-off point of his delivery, dropping off the security-sealed file as he cleared an alley. Today's delivery sure was eventful, and Snoss was hesitant about agreeing to it. The contact he met looked like the nervous military type, but he paid well enough to avoid any questions. The horse made his way back to his roof, throwing in a few false vaults and turns to confuse any watchers. Even as the horse stepped into a disused water tower and lay back against his couch, he felt almost sorry for the cops. They were simply doing their job, a difficult one considering the qualities of the suspects they were dealing with. But the horse enjoyed his freedom, and he was determined to keep it as long as he lived. His cell rang, and the horse's face grinned when he saw the number. He patched the cell through his Bluetooth earpiece. Your mentor, neighed Snoss. The voice at the other end groaned. Come on, Snoss, I've told you not to call me that. Eh, old habits die hard, I guess, said the horse cheekily as he turned on his TV set. This close to an office block, Snoss was able to connect a couple of cables to give him all the comforts of an actual apartment. He had to admit that the air conditioning had been a little difficult to set up, but a couple of jobs he had done alongside Lezot earned him enough to buy a portable model. On the news channel, a haggled-looking mayor was assailed by reporters on what was deemed the topside problem. Shortly after his near escape, the police had announced that they had reason to believe an unknown number of hoodlums had been living illegally on the roofs of intersection. Aside from unconfirmed witness sightings, the police had yet to come up with any progress. There would come a day when the cops took to the roofs, decked out in free-running gear and training, but today was not the day. So what's up? Snoss answered the civet. Lezo chuckled. Aside from the usual drama about us, Liam asked if he would like to celebrate his kid's first birthday with him. I told him I'd check with you. Ah, count me in, bro, exclaimed the horse, seating up straighter. What do they look like? 
I've seen them a month back. They're pretty cute. Two of them's brown like him, while the other's grey. Lizzo cleared his throat. But enough about him, eh? How are you doing so far? Have you made any consideration to your, uh... Coming of age? asked Snoss. Lizzo mumbled in affirmation. Sure have. The moment I turn 18 a month from now, my aunt no longer has custody of me. That means the cops ain't got no reason to catch me no more. But I'll still run with you guys till the flow tells me to take it easy, like Liam. That's not how the flow works. Have you forgotten everything I taught? groaned Lizzo. And you've got a thing coming if you think Liam has it easy. Do you know how many train and bus schedules he's in charge of? Not to mention the number of subordinates he has to oversee with a pain-in-the-tail boss to answer to. And you know just how cats and dogs get along. Liam told me there were times he wished he could run with us again, but now it's just a passing dream. Dolores would have his pelt if he tried anything like that again, ever since he became a father. Ah, nothing like freedom, eh? laughed Snoss. He stepped out of his den, looking down at the vast expanse of the city that was his home. With its countless paths, routes and waypoints, it was a maze of opportunities and lessons abound. Not for the first time, the horse realized just how fortunate his life was. He may be miles from his birthplace, but that was simply part of following the art of displacement. This was the final part of A Leap Forward by Mikasi Wolf, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.